Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero. Sitting across from me, JP Ong. On a day when it looks like the SDI is slightly up, uh, the region is mixed, and I have no, re- I have no idea why. Well, I think uh, what's, uh, we are, it's just a matter of, I think, a lot of these drivers that set the tone earlier this week. As we mm-hmm. mentioned, usually these drivers, they tend to lose steam after a couple of days. And right. you might be seeing that actually happen for stocks across uh, the region. A lot of the losses actually happening in China today. Shanghai Composite down by about 0.2%. The Shenzhen Bourse down by half a percent. Hong Kong. Again, very interesting because much like yesterday, the Hang Seng started out with some losses today, but has started to rebound. In fact, there are some analysts out in Hong Kong who are saying that that there is starting, there is a clear and significant sign that maybe there are shares that are bouncing back in Hong Kong, perhaps just valuations coming down significantly and and lending some support there. But when you look at some of the gainers today, you've got Hong Kong, you've got the Nikkei 225 up by about 0.1%. The cost be also trading higher. I think it's because both both countries have expressed... uh, an, a, a keen interest to hold high-level talks to try and kiss and make up at the moment because mm-hmm. of this dragging spat that we've seen between the two countries. So let's focus on Singapore at the moment. And we're seeing the STI up by about 0.4% today. We're at 3,259. This was a level that the STI brief, briefly tried to breach yesterday. Mm-hmm. Around this time, actually, it did re- rise above 3,250. Then it paired back a little bit. Today, it's a much more convincing breach. They're up by 11 points. Value turnover, rather healthy again, 619.5 million Singapore per dollars in total trades changing well, hands. Well, I haven't heard that number in a long it, time. Yeah, you're right. And uh, it's, it's been months since we've seen these kinds of levels consistently. But over the last two and a half weeks, or, mm-hmm. or I'd say about two and a half, three weeks, we've actually seen value turnover starting to pick up again. Mm-hmm. More gainers than losers so far today. I think one of the big drivers still happens to be the hope that maybe the US and China might come to an agreement. But there's a bit of a fly in the ointment at the moment because Beijing is now asking uh, that the US drop a significant amount of their tariffs before they agree to fly to the U.S. and mm-hmm. sign off. Now, the two places now that are being floated are Alaska and Iowa. So we'll save some travel time. It is closer. To, it is easier to fly to Iowa or Alaska than it is to New York or Washington, D.C. for President Xi Jinping. But they are asking that the U.S., hey, guess what? We want you to drop most of these tariffs, more than the 110, $112 billion that you're, you're thinking about reducing tariffs on, which the White House, by the way, is just considering. They're mm-hmm. not exactly, they haven't said that they are going to do it, but they said, yeah, we've been talking about it at some of our daily briefings. Things in our in our in our, in our more Monday morning meetings, right. but uh, I think uh, it, again it goes to show that I think investors are are at least. Uh balancing out and saying, you know, we're not jumping the gun at the moment. Terence uh, Wong of Reserve Capital, actually, we sp- who I spoke to late last October, actually, last week, and when I asked him about, well, do you think that these uh, these trade tensions are starting to ease off? Do you think, well, uh, do you think, um, do you think now is the time to come back in? And he said something very interesting, and he, I could have put it any better. He said, you know, JP, once bitten, twice shy. Mm-hmm. And I think he, 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 what he was saying is like, I'm not going to jump the gun until we actually see more concrete evidence that this is actually going to happen, because we've seen it pair back before. I'm sorry, I'm not going to believe it until I see the ink on the paper. Exactly. And I think un- unless we see uh, unless we see President Xi Jinping's boarding pass saying I'm going to I I'm going to Des Moines or I'm going to Anchorage, we're not going to we're not going to be holding our breath pretty much until that happens. But so far, we're seeing that the SCI today actually doing rather well, and there's a couple of stocks that are that are rebounding. I want to point out we don't have a lot of we don't have a ton of information as to why Hong Kong Land is the most heavily traded stock today, and their U.S. dollar denominated shares are actually trading at about a um, let's see. 
it's about 3.3% higher at about $5.62 a piece. Now, there was a big block trade that Bloomberg noted with regards to uh, Hong Kong land today, which uh, saw their trading volume spike to almost 60 ti- 16 times their 20-day average. Um, they said that there was a 6.8 million share block trade at, at about 9.30 this morning. And, and this helping Hong Kong land rebound today. So they're one of those stocks to watch. We're not entirely sure who exactly placed this order. Mm-hmm. But it is making, uh, making Hong Kong land front and center the most heavily traded stock so far today. Not far behind UOB and DBS, both trailing Hong Kong land. Also up by about, uh, about half a percent each, give or take. So when you've got these three stocks uh, helping buoy the local bourse, you're seeing uh, a bit of a bounce back, at least, for, for the SDI. And they're staying, at, they're, staying, um, they're staying marginally in the green. Right. And, uh, and extending these gains. We'll see if they can make it three straight days in a row. But uh, the, the region's looking relatively mixed. And I think this rally that was started earlier this week is starting to lose just a little bit of steam. But again, nothing lasts forever, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, on Friday, we were talking about some big results coming out this week. Have they come out yet? Yes. So uh, was one of the, uh, well, we did talk about OCBC and Capital right. Land the other day. Well, mm-hmm. they, they released results Early yesterday morning, I do want to talk about the results that came in overnight. Well, let's start off first off with Singapore Airlines, right. and you want to talk about a profit beat for Singapore Airlines. We saw their 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 um, we saw that their uh, third uh, their their. Their recent quarterly earnings, at least for their net income, it looks really good. Really, really good. Sixty-eight percent higher to about ninety-four million Singapore dollars. However, they did note that operating profits slipped by about eight point six percent. So, why exactly were they able to see this jump in profits? Uh, higher fuel charges, uh, higher costs actually ate into some of their into 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 their operating operating margins. But we did, they said that there were lower there were smaller losses in some of their affiliates. Now here's the interesting thing about Singapore Airlines. When you look at their stock today, you'd think that the that the investors would be jumping for joy, a 68% jump in net income, um, uh, um, lifting sentiment so far. Um, Singapore Airlines today is actually is actually in the red, and not by any small measure. Singapore Airlines is trading a full two percent lower today at about nine dollars and twenty four cents a piece. So of course it begs the question: Why are they doing that? Is 68% not good enough? Well, apparently, according to analysts who cover Singapore Airlines, no, it's not. They actually it's not. they actually missed analyst estimates, and I think well, maybe the analyst and I, I, you know, I've been I've just been parsing. I've only had a little bit of time because I just received. Uh, I was able to just get the report from of uh, Nomura, which is available on the terminal. Um, you know, the the actually you, when you look at it, yes, this was a good good. Um, a good quarter, but overall, the first half, they're still in about uh, their earnings for the first half are still down by about twenty seven percent. So they've got a uh, quite a deep hole to climb out of, really. Singapore Airlines, and I think uh, yes, you're seeing some recovery in some of their affiliates at the moment. Perhaps unless we're expecting a bit more of a recovery, we're still seeing that perhaps Scoot Airlines and a number of these other affiliates that are that are connected to Singapore Airlines, perhaps just still providing just a bit more of a drag on on this on 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 their performance. Now we'll see if they can turn things around. But the analysts don't seem to be too happy or too impressed by 68%. I am. I would be thrilled. I would be very much thrilled. My standards are a little yes, lower, I yes, guess. Yes, I guess. And uh, I think when it's, there are some things that uh, that the Nomura actually pointed out also here. They said that there were, that second qu- quarter core net profits did fall by about 42%. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this, uh, so when you look at the core activities of Singapore Airlines, perhaps just raising a couple of questions on whether, on, 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 uh, on just, just how strong are these numbers? Minus I mean, when you look deeper, when you look under the hood of this bottom line, sure. core associate losses in the first half were larger than expected, according to them, because of wider losses in Virgin Australia. There you go, a couple of losses in that area, in that area, and uh, and uh, and. Uh, 
you know, just, just they're just uh, they're maintaining a neutral stance on Singapore Airlines, but they're raising a lot of questions to how the other players underneath that big umbrella are actually doing. Actually, the other question I have more because you know I'm curious than anything else is how much of uh, the 737 Max. And the purchases of that affected the bottom line as well. You know, there was no mention of that. And maybe I just have to dig deeper into into what into their earnings call. But they did say something, uh, their CEO today actually actually mentioned that they're expecting expecting the 777, mm-hmm. the, new, the, I mean, the newest uh, jumbo airline right. of Boeing actually to be operational sometime in 2020, uh, sometime next year. Right. So that's the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the latest, I guess, update we have with regard to connecting Singapore Airlines to Boeing. Right. But um, no mention really of how much it's 7, the 737 MAX has really impacted their operations. Mm-hmm. I think really it's the American Airlines that are feeling that impact. But when, when, when the likes of American Airlines and Southwest reported a couple of weeks ago, they did say that despite that, they saw net income grow. So they were able to mitigate um, the impact of the 737 MAX grounding. But this is going to be a big question for many airlines moving forward. How sure. much longer can you hold the fort? While this thing stays grounded, and European officials have said that they don't expect it to be in the air until about early, uh, until about the first quarter of 2020, or maybe even April of 2020. Sure. So, all right. Well, you know, there you go. That's just me being curious. Yeah. There were other results that came out. Q3 I results. Think, I think one of the interesting things that uh, f- that folks might want to keep ta- uh, keep tabs of actually is Starhub. When you look at Starhub's shares today, um, they are. They are bumping. You know, uh, they're up by nearly ten percent to one dollar and forty-five cents a piece. Okay, you surely you have a reason as to why that well, is. Well, everybody's been wondering. Well, when is this? How how long will how long? You know, this is a telco that's been beaten up mm-hmm. over the last couple of quarters. Sure. Starhub has not been doing uh, relatively well. When when we broke uh, the, the the earnings of Starhub uh, late la- yesterday late um, yesterday evening, we actually saw that Starhub's um, er- earnings actually showed signs of a bit of a rebound. Mm-hmm. So uh, so so first off, don't uh, be dis- uh, don't be distracted by. Uh, by a Starhub reporting yesterday. I'm just pulling up these numbers. Uh, bear with me here. Net profits did slip by about 2.4%, but that's because of a 24% rise in tax payments. Here's what I want to point people uh, point out for folks here. Starhub's earnings, their operating profits, actually grew by almost 6% to $80 million Singapore dollars. Right. So signs, again, of a bit of a turnaround for, for Starhub. We actually have a number of, uh, two, uh, a number of uh, analysts actually raising their target price on uh, for or uh, uh, re-rating StarHub, actually. We had uh, the likes of DBS raising StarHub from a, from a hold to a buy to about th- with a target price of about $1.43 a piece. UOB Kehian also raising their outlook on uh, StarHub recently. So they're actually noticing that maybe there is a bit of a turnaround here and maybe StarHub is onto something. StarHub shares up by 9.8%. And... What's more, they also announced that they are looking at a f- joint 5G bid with another mobile network operator, according to their CEO, Peter Kaliaropoulos, during the announcement. Mm-hmm. He says he's, he's bidding on this. We're not entirely sure who they're going to be bidding with, um, but there's only a couple of guesses we can, we can make. And, may, and perhaps this could be a joint bid also with the Australian the telco that's coming in uh, some, sometime this year. But uh, no mention, to be honest. Uh, to, uh, to be clear, there is no mention yet of, as to which this, this other mobile network operator is. But uh, but they are looking to make a push into this, and they're not scared to, to, to roll into the 5G space. It is a very, very interesting, different picture, isn't it? It's 6% re- rise in revenue, almost 10% up on uh, trading value. Mm. And Sing- Singapore Airlines, 68% revenue reporting and, what, almost 2% down in trading. So here's the thing. Um, 
again, expectations matter. And mm. by the way, um, uh, you, you know, I, I hate to sound like a life coach here, but don't live your life by expectations too much. Okay, you're going to drive yourself insane. <laughs> but in the markets, expectations matter. And unfortunately for Singapore Airlines, it seems that they have a high expectations air, Asian parent. I'm sure you can relate. Mm. And uh, we can all relate yes, in this right? room. <laughs> and it's not good enough for them, which is why they have missed that. But Starhub, at the same time, they've actually had very rather. Let's be fair. Let's be fair. Rather they low expectations for quite a while, right? So the fact that they're showing that, hey, guess what? Operating profits, ta-da, up almost 6%. We're seeing a rebound. Perhaps the things are starting to get better for Starhub moving forward. So they get the good boy award. So they get the good boy award. And mind you also, they are a telco. And telcos are seen as a quasi-utility tech company. So Mm -hmm. when you look at these utility companies, they also tend to provide dividends, um, thus creating a little bit more attraction, at least for this particular sector, especially during the in a hunt for yields, in a hunt for dividends because of this uh, safety defensive approach that we're seeing pervade across many markets, including here in Singapore. Now, this could just be StarHub getting a a bump. Do I think this is going to sustain? I could actually see some profit-taking in the future because this is is quite... This is quite... This is big. I mean, whoa, whoa, partner, 10% is high. Yeah. But but if StarHub is able to maintain some of this and actually... uh, translate these operating profits into the actual bottom line moving forward. Mm -hmm. This could set things up very nicely for a slow and steady recovery for StarHub moving forward, but they've still got a lot of challenges and the the 5G space is going to be very competitive also moving forward. How they're going to manage that, don't think they're out of the woods yet. They've got a lot of questions to answer and a lot of challenges to meet, but StarHub, at least, this report card, mm, there there is reason to be optimistic, I think, with that one little thing. And hopefully they can build on it. All right. Well, I'm looking across the region. It is a little up. It's a little down. Where are you concentrating on today on Across the ASEAN? Today we are looking in at uh, Thai markets. Mm-hmm. So Thai markets have actually had a pretty dismal last couple of weeks. Right. And uh, Thai mark- but, and uh, the, there have been signs of steadying itself. This, uh, this Thai set has been... Has uh, has uh, has sort of just uh, traded around the one thousand three hundred six hundred thirty level, mm-hmm. give or take, over the last couple of days. We're speaking to the chief investment officer of Principal Asset Thailand, Win Prompret. Again, apologies if I butchered your name, sir. Um, but we will be speaking to him later on, and particularly focusing on the Bank of Thailand's decision. So the Bank of Thailand is one of those few central banks in the world that have actually held out from cutting rates. We've got the Bank of England, the mm-hmm. Bank of uh, the, the uh, Central Bank of Canada. They're one of these other central banks that have resisted it over the over over time. Now, some, some now in, and uh, economists are relatively split as to what the Bank of Thailand's decision will be later on. They're going to be making their policy decision, I believe, around four o'clock Singapore time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's going to be interesting to watch that because on one hand, you've got Thailand that's a developing economy that operates with uh, with growth rates of only 3%. So they're almost close to a mature economy in that sense. You've got an aging population, and uh, and you've also got that strong bot. So the impetus, you might think the case for cutting rates in Thailand is actually rather strong, but they've actually held off. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see what their decision is later on. And... Uh, and, uh, and you're going to break it down. Break it down more. Oh, well, I'll, I'll ask Mr. I'll ask Mr. Prompet to do that for us to help right. us to help us break that down, and to also see what this means for the Thai bot moving forward, mm-hmm. because the Thai bot has also been weighing on, might potentially be a, a weighing on th- a Thailand as an exporter. They do have a very strong manufacturing base, and also because tourism is so important to Thai to the Thai economy as well. Sure. What that's going to do moving forward, we haven't seen tourism really slow down significantly in Thailand, not by a big measure, 
But again, if the Thai baht continues to, to flex over the course of next month of next months and also leading into 2020, what kind of landscape is that going to paint for the Thai economy? Is that going to be good or bad? But that's not for me to answer. That's for Mr. Wynn to do it. All right. And that is at what time? That's going to be at about 5.40 this afternoon. All right. So if you want to find out some of those answers, you need to stay locked on to Money FM 89.3. This has been Market View for Workday Afternoon. I'm Clarissa Montero, J.P. Ong. We'll be back from 4 p.m. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.